Turn it up. You're listening to the Fancast Live Podcast. This is where New York sports live. On fourth and five, Jones steps up, takes off, he's in! All right, what's up, guys, and welcome to the FanCast Live podcast. I'm your host, John Carlo. On today's show, I've got a special guest. His name is Mark. He's from Mets Fans United, and like myself, he's a suffering but passionate and loyal Mets fan. Um, Mark is very outspoken when it comes to the Mets ownership, the front office, the product, you know, the product they put on the field, the, uh, the, the success or lack thereof of the team, and the fan perception. Welcome, welcome to the show, Mark. Uh, I appreciate you taking some time to, to be with me today. How about we just get the, the, the show started off by uh, giving you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell us something about Mets Fans United, how it started, and why. Great. Thank you so much for, uh, for inviting me to the show. Very honored and very privileged to uh, be able to uh, be on with you today. Um, yes, yeah, so um, Mets Fans United is, uh, is found on the basis that um, we feel that the Mets fans, being as passionate as we are, uh, really want to have a voice at the table. So back a couple of years ago, about three years ago, myself and a couple of others, we started uh, Mets Fans United. Uh, we could be found on Twitter at Mets Fans United One. That's Mets Fans United One on Twitter. And, um, you know, it's on the basis that you know look wait we don't really care who ownership is even though we obviously have not uh really like most uh thought that the Wolpons have been someone um you know the group uh with saw cats have not been really you know the best owners because of the lack of competence more than anything so what we talk about is not i mean the fans want to do it great but we don't advocate for boycotts that's a really big misconception but it's more so for the fact of we want competence and we want a seat at the table to be able to voice our thoughts uh, towards owners um, rather than just say, hey, like we're not going to games, we're not going to watch. We're all big fans. We don't want to tell people how to be a fan or what to do. Uh, you know, we just want to really have a seat at the table and represent uh, really all Met fans and have Met fans voice their thoughts and concerns to us. Right. So. And- Oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Oh, and, uh, you know, personally, um, you know, we try and keep our our personal, uh, you know, like our personal opinions out of Mets Fans United um, to represent the whole. Uh, so uh, so my own personal Twitter page is no more Wilpons, N-O-M-O-R-E Wilpons on Twitter. Um, and I don't know maybe I'll keep it, you know, in the next five years. Maybe I won't. Um, <laughs> not really sure what I'm going to do. I never thought that I'd actually live the day. To see, um, you know, no more Wilpons, actually, something that I created, uh, you know, the handle back in um, July of 2010. I mean, yeah. it's been a Something that never thought was ever going to happen, right? Right, exactly. I mean, you know, like most Met fans, right? Right, right. All right, so we know a lot about Fred Wilpon. Obviously, mm-hmm. he purchased the 1% stake in the Mets back in 1980. 
uh, in '86, he and uh, Nelson Doubleday purchased the, um, the 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 Mets from the Payson family. They won the World Series that year. I think they purchased the team for about eighty-one million dollars. Then, yeah. Uh, in two thousand two, the Wilpons bought out Nelson Doubleday mm-hmm. uh, for approximately three hundred ninety-one million. Then you had the the Ponzi scheme that you know the big scandal back in two thousand eight, where the Wilpons were were uh, investors who had invested a significant amount of money with the you know Bernie Madoff, which was was lost. Um, which was there was a lot of money lost in the in the Ponzi scheme. Yeah, uh, it was believed that the Wilpons earned about three hundred million dollars in that Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, it was uh, it was later revealed that the Wilpons utilized that Ponzi scheme to run the operations of the New York Mets. Yeah, because pretty much, you know, I mean, we we all saw the Wilpons as not big spenders, but when they did have that mm-hmm. money. You know, they did throw some money at, you know, back then it was yeah. Carlos Beltran, you know, it was, uh, Picado. you know, it's, yeah, exactly. So they yeah. did spend some, somewhat, some kind of money. Mm-hmm. And, and now we know that at that time, this was the money that we, they were using to, yeah. you know, make the purchases that they were making to, mm-hmm. to, 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 you know, to operate the team and so on and so forth. And, and, and mm-hmm. I believe from what I understand they also use that money to purchase uh, the the uh, SNY network. Yeah, so it was a lot of things that that really went well for the for the Wilpons when they had that money. But mm-hmm. once they lost that money, it became a totally different thing. It, the Wilpons just didn't spend money. They were always in debt. I believed for a long time that that the uh, the Wilpons were using um, they were losing a lot of money because. Well, actually, the last couple of years, I think they 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 said they lost 120 million dollars. I don't I don't know how that's possible. Yeah, in the last two years, yeah. Yeah, and and the fact is, is I feel that the Wilpons are probably have debt somewhere else, personal debt, or whether it's you know their Sterling Enterprise debt that they were probably applying to the you know the team's books or whatever the case may be. There's got to be something not right there. Yeah. But going yeah. back to 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 Madoff, um. I always believed that that's that's the reason why the Wilpons were able to spend so much money. And then once that money was gone, it was that that money just wasn't being spent. Baseball, we know, had to lend them twenty twenty five million dollars. Then we know that there was that forty million dollars that they Mm -hmm. borrowed from Bank of America, which Mm -hmm. was at the time when Major League Baseball was about to step in and take uh, take over the team because they felt the Wilpons weren't going to be able to uh, handle the operations. And we were all like really crossing our fingers at that point because we were hoping that baseball would take the team, yeah, you know, and, and, and sell it to someone else. But that didn't quite uh, uh, come mm-hmm. to fruition because they ended up getting that loan from Bank of America for $40 million. They ended up paying off their debts, and somehow, mm-hmm. some way, they were able to hang on to the team. Um, yeah, then, well, let me just, like, chime in, you know, just, like, yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. A big way that they were able to do that is because they weren't really – spending money on the team and they were budgeting to be able to pay off some of some of the debts. Right. That being said, a lot of how and why they were spending money before the Madoff, you know, Ponzi scheme got revealed was they were going based upon a 15% interest rate in which they were going to be able to always have liquidity, always be able to play the payroll with that. Right. I mean, that's what they based the whole Bobby Bonilla, you know, whole fiasco over was, Oh, you know, we're going to be able to pay Bonilla 50, you know, you know, a 15% interest rate, you know, given the 1.8 or whatever million dollars it is every July 1st, that makes 
you know, not only the Mets, but also the fan base look like complete morons until like 2039. So, um, you know, that's really how they were paying off the players, assuming that they were going to get that interest rate forever since it was a guarantee because Bernie Madoff said so. Right. Um, right. So it's really how they were doing that. Right. Yeah. And, and getting players like Delgado and Johan and Beltran and so forth. Right. Then uh, in January of 2011, they started selling off uh, portions of the team to mm-hmm. you know to investors who were interested. And Steve Cohen just happened to be one of those investors who bought a four percent share of the team in mm-hmm. uh, in 2011 or 2012, whenever it was. And yeah. then, from what I understand, he also bought an additional four percent later on. I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure exactly when he did that, but he he did. Per- I think he has an eight percent stake in the team. Then, then the news broke this week that Steve Cohen, who um, who is a minority owner in the team, is looking mm-hmm. to purchase a majority ownership of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what we understand, it's going to be eighty percent. It might be less. It might be more. We're hoping it's a total one hundred percent. But then you have to consider the other investors who have bought yeah. you know, small stakes in the team. Mm-hmm. So, and and this all came out this week because of the fact that there's been some. You know, feud in the family within the family with Saul uh, Saul Katz and yeah. and the fact that a lot of people in the family don't aren't comfortable with Jeff Wilpon eventually taking over the team when you know Papa Smurf Fred Wilpon is no longer going to be around. I mean, yeah. Fred Fred Wilpon is eighty three years old, mm-hmm. and we're assuming that the five years that Steve Cohen is giving the the Wilpons to to hold on to the team after this is finalized. Mm-hmm. Is pro. I mean, he's going to be 88 years old at that time. Yeah. I mean, he could or could not be here anymore. But right. I mean, this is an exciting time for us Mets fans because we've yeah. been you, you and myself and, and many other Mets fans have been rooting for the Wilpons mm-hmm. to sell the team because we just feel like this is a big market. Yep. Big money can be made here. The fans are very passionate about their team. They're very loyal and. Just because the ownership says that they're loyal and they're passionate about the team, but the fact of the matter is, is you're not spending money to mm-hmm. you know, and it's not evident that you're you're passionate and loyal and want to win. So, you know, this is where we're at now as far as yeah. you know team ownership is, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of excitement right now. What do you think, and uh, how do you feel, and what direction you think Steve Cohen is going to bring the New York Mets? Well, I mean, I you know the first it's pretty obvious he has quite the uh, quite the backing from a financial perspective, but I think even more so than that, what I'm really looking forward to is you could spend all the money in the world, um, you could have all the money in the world, but I mean, like another team in this town, like the Knicks, who spend money, they don't do so uh, very competently. Um, so re- really, what I'm looking forward to most, to answer your question, is uh, bring more competency um, to the team, uh, to the organization. Uh, you know, because when you look at the ways that they're ran, I mean, whether or not in the past it's been sending out a, a, a very um, um, something that just really still bothers me to this day, a fan oath to your fans, uh, you know, looking for them to be loyal. I mean, come on. I mean, the matches aren't ran like a New York team should be ran. Right. They're not ran with competency. They're not ran with, you know, like, you know, like when do you see the Mets making these? shrewd moves like a Tampa Bay Rays move, you know, make, uh, you know, they don't make moves like that. Uh, you know, they, they never get a player where you're like, wow, like this player was nothing on this team, but you know, on the Mets, he turned, he turned into this great player. I mean, when was the last time we had our Justin Turner? <laughs> I mean, 
seriously. I mean, like, we don't have that. We've so, had a lot of Justin Turner's go somewhere else. And, exactly. You know, it's, it's just ridiculous, yeah. But they don't come to us. And so Stephen Cohen, what he's going to bring to the table is he's built a business. He's built a business that has excelled. He doesn't take losing very well, which is what I want in ownership. Not only spending money, yes, but he's going to put the resources not only to the major league team, but he's going to do that towards scouting, towards analytics, towards overseas and the Dominican, uh, you know, towards the Dominican, uh, you know, team that we have or the, um, you know, the facilities. Um, you know, he's going to put it to the minor leagues. He's going to put it all across the board. He's going to want the best to the best to work for him, um, to bring a championship back to Queens. Um, and so that's what I really, you know, that's what I'm looking forward to is the winning mentality. I mean, yeah, you can say that you want to win, but New Yorkers, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to hear the talk. Yeah. We want to see you walk the walk, we and we want you to show us. Yeah, we want right? to see the results exactly. Exactly, and the Wilpons aren't we? You know, the Wilpons, I mean, are not result driven. They want to talk about it, but yeah, that's great. Like we want to see it, and so um, I'm actually really looking forward to. Um, I'm definitely not a season ticket holder. I haven't gone to nearly as many games that I used to go to, mm. but I know that a lot of uh, season ticket holders they're used to going to a uh, a event in about January, another month and change from now. Uh, where they get invited uh, by the Mets to ask questions to the ownership. I wonder if they're going to have it this year or if they're even going to do it this year, um, or if that'll be kind of the first introduction to everyone, to Stephen Cohn. Yeah, that that would be definitely interesting to uh, find out if they're going to have that, because that, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans there that's going to be asking a lot of questions, whether it's still Steve Cohen or the Wilpons still um, you know, running the team. I'm sure but, the news that recently came out, a lot of questions won't be uh, overly... Uh, nice or the layups that they yeah, typically yeah. get, you know? Yeah, there won't be any runaround. You know, right. Steve Cohen, I, 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 I didn't know anything about Steve Cohen up until, you know, the news broke this week. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of research on him. He's worth something about $16.3 billion. Some say he's worth a little less than $10 billion. Yeah, uh, I mean, his range is about 9 to $13. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a very rich person. He's from New mm-hmm. York. He's a loyal mm-hmm. Mets fan. He's been a Mets fan his entire life. I think mm-hmm. he lives out on the island somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, and a lot of a lot of what I've read this week and a lot of the things I've heard, whether it's on a podcast or on news or SNY mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. everybody speaks very positively of Steve Cohen mm-hmm. because they feel that he's going to go deep into his pockets. And like you said, yeah. he is going to invest his time and his money mm-hmm. and put it where his mouth is because – it's it the Mets are due for an overhaul I mean it's it's quite evident we've been waiting yeah. around we you know the product in the field just has not been what a New York market team should look like I mean granted we have a lot of young players right now you know you have your your Alonzo your McNeil your JD Davis your Dom Smiths your, your mm-hmm. Confortos your Nimmo's they're all fantastic players mm-hmm. now it's it's a matter of what's going to happen to some of those players because of whether they fit on this club or not. We'll, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Yeah. But there's there's a nucleus to this team now mm-hmm. that we feel that this, you know, front office ownership needs to take the next step to, you know, um, add to the product that's already on the field now to make it right. better so that we can compete with the Philadelphia Phillies who went and, went and got a Joe Girardi, just signed, you know, Zach Wheeler from us. They're talking about, you know, possibly signing Strasburg 
and or Rendon. I mean, these guys, they signed Harper last year. They're throwing money around like crazy, and we're sitting here, we're, we're scratching our heads and saying, what the hell is going on here? How are the Philadelphia Phillies spending all this money? And yeah. we're in New York, and we can't get this. The Atlanta Braves went and improved as well. They went and signed Cole Hamels. They're 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 looking at a c- couple of possibilities at third base mm-hmm. if Josh Donaldson doesn't sign. They've mm-hmm. gotten better. They got Will Smith to go to the bullpen, one of the best relievers mm-hmm. in the game. I mean, we could talk about this all day, and we sit here and we read the reports, we see what's going on, and and every day. I scratch my head and say, why can't this be us? Why can't this be the New York Mets? Why can't we, for once, you know, laugh at our division rivals and say, ha, 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 we've got the guy we wanted. But that's never the case, and it's so no. frustrating yeah. to to be a Mets fan and yeah. and think that the only championship we have is 1986, and that's over 30 years ago. And, yeah, we went to the World Series in 2000 against the Yankees and got whooped four games to one, and then we lost to the Kansas City Royals. We made two appearances in the World Series, yes, but we didn't win. And the the fact of the matter is we go to the, we go to the playoffs, we go to the World Series, and then, like, we, what, we take five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years off before we make another appearance in the playoffs? I mean, what are your feelings about that? Well, my whole thing is I want to touch on a couple of things that you said. Um, number one is, I mean, we went to the World Series in '79. In, in I'm sorry, in '73, right. and then in, in '86. That's 13 years. Um, you know, we went to the World Series in uh, from '86 to 2000, 14 years. '80 and then 2000 to 2015, 15 years. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I think if you do the math that's, right, that's that means we're due to yeah. go to World Series in 2031 yeah. again. Right. I don't really want to wait that long, personally. <laughs> um, and, and so more than anything, to your point, though, yeah, we got to the World Series and we lost in five games in, you know, 2000 and 2015. But more so than what anyone, I think, really wants is, besides the championship, obviously, we want to have that time period where we have sustainability, right. where we have that time period where we walk into a season and we're like, okay, great, like, we're the Mets. Like, we're going to be in the first place. A team, a team to be proud of. We haven't had that. I mean, I guess in 2004, and six in 2007, 2008, we might have been somewhat close to that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's kind of been a, that's kind of been a small glimpse of hope in really all the years. Right. Um, and I think that a big part of why you don't, why you're getting or an answer a question why we don't laugh at other teams in our division and why we aren't getting the players is because just like what came out this past week, the Mets are up to their eyeballs in debt. Mm. Um, they, they're not able to go out. And just get players and sign these big player names. They're not able to do that because of where they're at, as far as paying off loans to baseball. Being, and I mean, they can't even come up with the money to pay the Islanders for their stadium. Let alone sign a Rendon for two hundred plus million dollars. Right. That's going to go to the real estate project instead. Yeah. So I mean, these are all reasons why you're not seeing that. And until Stephen Cohen comes in here, you're not going to see it. We're going to have to settle for the Mersnicks of the world. That's just the, really the way that it is. Um, and that's the reality, unfortunately. But I think that can happen really sooner than later, because the five year—that's really just a namesake only. Mm-hmm. Because then, um, you know, five years—that's more for bookkeeping than anything. For the five year look back in estate planning, um, and that's a big part of what the Wilpons are trying to do here. But I mean, there's no way that you're going to see, you know, uh, you know, Stephen Cohen come in here and settle for this nonsense uh, as a majority owner, putting his name on the door and putting his name on the team. 
to have to settle for this. There's no way it's going to happen. So I think we're going to know pretty strongly exactly when Steve Cohen's money is going to be funneling through the door because we're going to see that big name player that we would know would never get signed um, that's going to get signed. And then we're going to all celebrate and be like, you know what? Stephen Cohen era is finally here. Yep. And then we can actually say, come get us. Exactly. You know, it's funny because the we, we heard and read the reports this week that the, that the Mets lost $120 million yeah. in the last two years. And then mm-hmm. news started to break that after arbitration is all said and done, the Mets could possibly be over the luxury tax threshold. And I'm thinking to myself, well, how the hell do we get over the the the, the luxury tax threshold? I, I think our, our salary has been on average about 150, 160 million dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I tell you, there's some players that are probably going to get some big arbitration um, increases. I know Edwin Diaz, who yes. you remember last year we got in that trade with uh, Robinson Cano. He made what eight six hundred eighty thousand dollars last yep. year in mm-hmm. arbitration. They're they're saying that he's probably going to get somewhere in the vicinity of six million dollar increase. I've even heard it to about nine though. That's how that's how is that effort. even remotely possible though? How do you go from six hundred eighty thousand dollars in arbitration and go to seven plus million dollars? Well, it definitely isn't based upon performance. I can tell you that much. Oh. Because uh, if it was based upon performance, he'd be instead of making six hundred thousand, he'd be making about. Uh, Six dollars. Well, if we're going to base it on his uh, on his performance <laughs> last year, then I don't think he should get a seven million dollar increase. I mean, come on, well, I, maybe just, I couldn't believe it because <laughs> I, when I saw that, I started I started saying, you know, I started posting. I started saying, get rid of Edwin Diaz. Why are we yeah. going to pay him seven plus million dollars for two, tw- you know, twenty twenty? If you know this was supposed to be a trade that was supposed to save us money in the short term because of yeah. the fact yeah. that you know you you have him under team control for five years. That's, that's never going to happen, though, because um, that's going to basically be uh, a admission of guilt to our, uh, genu- our, our genius GM that we have, Brody Van Wagenen, admitting that he royally screwed up uh, You know this whole trade that should never have happened. Yeah. And I mean, and not for anything, but I mean, what, what, what made this week, um, you know, this week will always be special. But I mean, the Mets even almost try to ruin this week. By leaking out that they were even interested in getting Josh Hader and Ryan Braun because they want to take on another big contract, yeah. another PED guy, yeah. and on top of that, you know, take on a you know you know for a closer. How about this? It can't happen because we don't have any money. Right. But a competent team and someone who has you know all their ducks in a row would go out and just sign another reliever. Like, what about that? To me, that makes way more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You you have nothing you have nothing to trade like this, uh, all these trade rumors that that come about. Uh, I know they went and got Marisnik this week. They gave up two. You know, I wouldn't call them prospects because no. th- there's a difference between prospects and you know, Phillips. M- minor leaguers. Yeah, you know, they weren't prospects. He didn't really give too much up. He did sign two two minor leaguers, two minor league deals with invites to spring training. This week, I'm assuming those signings were to make up for the debt that he just lost, the the debt that he just lost. But there, I mean, it's not news to me. I mean, th- this is something that happens every season that you know to, for teams to just you know throw players in the farms, you know, in the system just to make up for debt. But 
the Josh Hader thing, I just really didn't understand, especially when I heard that Braun was going to be part of the deal. And right. I'm saying to myself, this is just another, you know, Robinson Cano, Edwin Diaz deal in, in the making. Exactly. Uh, you're going to take, I mean, I, do, how many years does Braun have left? I, I believe he's got one year left. Does he have one year left? No, I think he has more than that. Well, I'll actually than, check. Ezra. So we were just going to get another Robinson Cano. I, I really wasn't sure. I, I thought maybe it was a one-year deal because there were reports saying that this was like a, a salary dump, that he was going to come off the books next year, and so was, you know, Yoannis Cespedes and so on and so forth. But uh -huh. I haven't confirmed or denied that, so I don't know what the story is with that. But as far I mean – since we're on the on on the subject of of the front office, Brody Van Wagenen, when he first got hired, I thought, I I, I thought very highly of him, very well spoken. Right. He, yep. he sounded like he knew what he was talking about. He's very analytics driven because he is an agent. That's what agents mm -hmm. do. Um, I have to be honest with you. When he made this deal for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, I thought on paper this was a great deal. I was like, we're getting an all-star second baseman, even though we had one in place because we felt that after what Jeff McNeil did the year prior, we felt that he was going to be our future second baseman. And, yeah. and, and I somewhat kind of disagree with the deal because, you know, my bias towards Jeff McNeil. I, yeah. I love the kid. He's great. I thought he was going to be a great second baseman. And then Robinson Cano happens. So now you're, you're you're throwing this kid around all over the place, third base, second base, outfield, so on and so forth. You did the same thing with J.D. Davis. You know, uh, Dom Smith was another player who, under Sandy Olsen, to me, Sandy Olsen pretty much gave up on Dom Smith. Once no, he, course, yeah. once he did that, that once he had that that situation where he overslept and didn't show up for a team meeting yep. that morning, it was pretty much a done deal for Dom Smith. He was finished as a New York Met. But once Sandy Olsen left, you know, because of health reasons and Brody Van Wagenen took over, Don Smith got a second chance and he mm -hmm. proved himself. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and, I, and, you know, I'm happy for him. Although I feel that he's got no there's, – there's, he's not a good fit for this team because Alonzo no. is now your future first baseman. Yeah. You know, you're not, you're not taking his job. He could yeah. be a bench player and he could be a good one too because he's got a good bat. And he's left. He's 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 a left-handed bat, and you can use him mm -hmm. off the bench. But he's got a little more value than I think people perceive him to have. I think they can deal him for for starting pitcher or you know a reliever or something. Yeah. But um, then the thing is, is what do you do with JD Davis next year? What do you do with Jeff? I mean, Jeff McNeil is probably going to end up at third base. JD Davis, I think, mm -hmm. is going to be another trade option. But throwing J.D. Davis in a deal for JD, uh, for, for Josh Hader and, and Braun just to get rid of salary is just a completely foolish thing to do because it just doesn't make sense. You're helping the other team. You're not helping yourself because you're giving away talent and you're, bringing, yeah. you're taking back, you know, a Braun who's, in my opinion, he's done. He's finished. He's just another yep. Robinson Cano. Uh -huh. You know, and there's a lot of things that, you know, Brody Van Wagenen has done since – that trade that just doesn't make sense to me. Bringing back Familia, a lot. You know, I, I at first I, again, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, deny the fact that I thought it was a good deal for three years at ten million dollars, you know, a, a year. I didn't think it was a bad deal. Uh -huh. Again, we didn't think that Diaz and Familia were gonna come in here and just flop. It just right. wasn't expected. 
Yeah. And, you know, and now the expectation this year is with the players that he's looking at this year with Josh Hader and all the other relievers, you know, the Rule 5 draft guys or the – no, I'm sorry, not the Rule 5. Um, the um, the non-tender players that they're looking at, training I think was one of them. Yeah. You know, it's just like you want to you want to create depth, yes. You want to improve, but what are you going to do with the players you already have? You can't do well, anything I mean, with them. A big part of it, though, is, yeah, I mean, I kind of felt the same way with you regarding – Familia. Um, and I'm going to go out on the record right now. And I haven't said this before, so I'm breaking my opinion on your show. <laughs> is I think that Familia is going to actually turn around next year. Do I think he's going to be a, uh, you know, a stud reliever? I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm saying he's going to turn around so he'll at least be serviceable. Right. That won't be a complete embarrassment. We can only hope. Uh, right. Because, like, I mean, to me, I think that Familia um, has much better stuff. Um, and for one reason or another, um, I think that and we heard this from a lot of people. It's not an excuse. It's more of a fact um, about the ball, the ball, which is different. Um, so I'm looking for a rebound uh, from both Milia and from Diaz. Again, not saying they're going to be, you know, either one is going to be this, this, you know, all-star reliever, but I think they'll both be serviceable next year. Um, that being said, um, yeah, just to kind of hit on the point that we were talking about before, Ryan Braun has signed uh, for this year for, uh, for $17 million coming up in, in 2020, and then in 2021, $15 million, and then he's a free agent. So we'd be taking on about $32 million over the next two years for Ryan Braun. Um, it wasn't for the Cano deal or the Diaz deal, whatever you want to call it, because um, to me, the Mets always kick the can down the curb, and that's what the deal is all about. Right. Um, it was all about just kicking salary down the curb because of where they were at as far as the leverage and where they're still at as far as leverage and debt goes. Um you know, so yeah, I think that you know we need to develop more depth, um, and we have some issues on our team that aren't getting addressed. To your point, um, JD Davis is a is a guy where yeah, in the right deal I would move him, but if it helps to benefit us, I'm not trading for salary relief. Right. Um, I don't think Cohen's gonna be um, be the kind of guy who's gonna take well towards that because he wants the best of the best on his team, and he doesn't want to help others. Right. He wants to help himself. Right. And he wants to help his own organization. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to really happen ultimately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Dominic Smith, uh, totally agree with you. He has some trade value. Um, I don't really know if we could get an impact difference maker uh, bullpen guy, a middle inning guy, or just Dominic Smith, though. Uh, we'd probably have to package him with someone else to get really that difference maker. But, um, you know, certainly like we definitely need that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Jeff McNeil, I mean, the guy has to play every day. Um, play my third base every day. I mean, and I mean, I always remember, I always had synonymous with saying Jeff McNeil in third base um, with Mickey Callaway not realizing that he ever played third base before when he made those comments saying that he was a second baseman. Mm -hmm. That's just another many, one of many examples of how our team is inept or has been, in, has been inept and incompetent in the past. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, Mignola's to play every day. Alonzo obviously has first base lockdown. There's not really a spot for Dominic Smith. Um, so if we get something for him, uh, preferably, you know, a, a middle reliever of some value, then I'd be okay with parting ways with Dominic Smith. Yeah. And a lot of question marks going into the GM meetings come, uh, the winter meetings coming, uh, coming up tomorrow, starting, uh, mm -hmm. tomorrow in San Diego. I mean, there's a lot of question marks with the Mets, especially when you, yeah. when, when we, when we talk about Brody Van Wagenen and what he's going to do to improve this ball club for 20, for 2020, Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is there's one particular player that no one speaks of. 
he's he's still part of this team, and he still got another year left on his contract. And he made an appearance, I think, on Instagram. Was it last week, where he was seen hitting uh, batting practice with Andy mm. Chavez? Yeah, Yoenis Cespedes. You know who I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, I thought you were gonna say uh, Jed Lowry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Have you, you seen him lately? Instagram? You have to get an appearance somewhere? Oh, my God. Out of the witness protection program? Uh, quite possibly because he's been rumored <laughs> He's been rumored in some trade talk, too. and you know, Yeah, but he has so much value, you know? I mean, after making those three I, I tell you, I mean, if, if had he played, had when he came back last year and had he played well, even though he only got, what, a, not even a month, if he would have yeah. at least hit, I don't even think he, I don't think he ended the season with a hit. I don't think he had a hit. No, he didn't. He didn't, right? He had about nine at-bats without a hit. And I mean, as I'm watching him, you know, like last year with his big helmet on, mm -hmm. I'm wondering, I'm like, hmm, is this like David Wright's clone? Because, <laughs> I mean, and I don't mean to like joke around about it, and I don't mean to be kind of funny about it, but it, I mean, it just, what I was thinking, and I'm going to be honest with my thoughts, is I remember going to the last game that David Wright played in. And I mean, I was sad. I wasn't sad because it was his last game. I was sad because he didn't look anything like himself. He looked like a stick. He looked yeah. like he didn't eat in yeah. in a year. Right. And that's what Jed Lowry looked like. He right. just looked like he was a stick, and he just didn't look healthy. And so that's pretty, you know, to me, that's pretty disconcerting. Um, you know, if you have someone that's looking like David Wright out there, who is supposed to be someone who has played shortstop in the past, or even someone you want to have quick reactions at third base. Um, I mean, so to me, I don't understand how Jed Lowry's name even gets brought up in any types of trade talks because what value does he have? I mean, you know, maybe I'd give the Mets like a, you know, like a chicken burrito or a Messi muff from Taco Bell like, or something for him. Or maybe well, a Big Mac. That's about all the value to me that I think he has. The, the only value Jed Lowry has right now is a, a $10 million, what, no, not even a $10 million contract. I think he's got a $9 million contract yeah. for 2020. He's got one year left. And yeah. I thought that with the opening in Milwaukee, now that Musakis went on to sign with uh, who did he sign with? I forget who he signed with. Uh, oh, uh, he signed the Cincinnati with, um, Reds. Exactly, he signed yeah, with the Cincinnati Reds. Mm -hmm. I thought with the third base opening there that you know Brody Van Wagenen might be able to push Jed Lowry onto you know the Milwaukee Brewers, but they didn't bite. But going back to Yoenis Espinos, so he shows up on a video with Andy Chavez taking batty practice. The video was taken down from Instagram soon after it was posted. No mm -hmm. idea why. I don't know if the Mets approached them and said, take that shit down. Of whatever course. Whatever the case may be. And it was taken down, and I'm like, and I'm looking for this video because I wanted to show it to a couple of friends, and yeah. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I'm like, what the hell happened to it? And yeah. then it turns out there were reports saying that it was taken down. And I'm thinking yeah, to myself, course. well, We've seen him taking batting practice. We haven't seen him run. Mm -hmm. Why isn't the front office like telling their fans, listen, Yoenis Cespedes might be, be able to play in 2020, but we don't really know when. Is he going to be ready for spring training? Is he not going to be ready? You know, I think we should be able to know this information because that changes a lot of things if Yoenis Cespedes is going to be healthy because he's going to be making $28.5 million in 2020, and if he's healthy enough to play, I want him in left field because he's a good bat. Not necessarily going to be the best defensive player because he probably can't mm -hmm. run for crap, but right. I'd rather have him in left field than a, a J.D. Davis, a Dom Smith, or mm -hmm. a Jeff McNeil. Yeah. All right. Do you agree? I mean, yeah, like I, I agree, but, I mean, the reason why it was taken out so quickly is 
two words for you: insurance fraud. Yeah. Is is he's he has more value to the Mets? He doesn't play simply because of the fact insurance. that the Mets don't have to pay him the insurance money. Right. That's the reason we're not going to see him this year. I mean, who's you know like who's kidding who? Uh, because if the Mets don't play him, they save all this money that can go towards paying down their debt instead of trying to actually win. That's the way the Mets are ran. The Mets are also ran because they're not going to communicate saying that he might play or, or he may not play. The Mets are incompetent because they don't know themselves if he could play. The Mets are incompetent that they let him fall into a ditch somewhere in his ranch or something, which I think doesn't make uh, any sense either. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But this is the nonsense and the crap you hear under the current regime as to why we're so excited to get another regime out here. Because Cespedes, in my opinion, is not going to play. He's never going to be ready for spring training. Um, and the Mets won that down right away because they don't want people to see that he can actually hit the ball. Because not for anything, if you're actually trying to win, which I'm not sure, yeah, like the Mets want to win, they don't want to do whatever it takes to win. Based upon what we saw there, why can't Cespedes at least pinch hit? Right. And start the season that way on the bench. It's not going to happen. No. But, I mean, I'd rather have his bench and, he, you know, like, you know, on the bench, he could jog the first base. I mean, the guy can't jog a little bit. I mean, I... I mean, he runs like he jogs anyway. So, I mean, you can't count on anything from Cespedes this year. You just can't do it. Um, if Cespedes plays, that's a bonus. That's like acquiring someone at the, you know, the trade deadline. Uh, because you just can't count on Cespedes this year. The Mets are too much. I mean, and maybe I'm just very um, jaded with my thoughts with the Mets and overly pessimistic. Because I've been accused of that a few times. But I'm just trying to be, you know, like realistic. That um, you know, I, you know, Cespedes isn't going to play, and that's the way the Mets are in. Well, the way they're going about their business right now, it seems that way, and you know, it, it's being perceived that way. You know, I I was just you know, if not the beginning of the year, I was hoping at least you know at the All Star break that he come yeah. back healthy and contribute to the team because mm-hmm. I mean, quite frankly, I he the Mets could definitely use his bat. Yeah. With you know, we don't know what's going to happen with JD Davis. We don't know what's going to happen yeah. with Dom Smith. We know for sure that Jeff McNeil is either going to be in left field or he's going to be at third base. We know that the Mets don't feel JD Davis can handle the third base uh, mm-hmm. duties because they feel his he, his defensive skills aren't as good as those of Jeff McNeil. A lot right. of times when JD Davis was playing last year, uh, I know I've noticed it. I know a lot of people on TV and and and, and the analysts doing the game, Cohen and mm-hmm. you know Hernandez and Darling, noticed mm-hmm. it many times that JD Davis playing third base. He would take a ground ball and he would step, 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 throw to right. first base, and yep. barely getting the runner at first base. That to yeah. them was an issue. That was something mm-hmm. that you know was brought you know to fruition, and and, and they. You know, they confronted him about it. You know, he yeah. feels that his position is third base. He wants to play third base, but I, I think Jeff McNeil is the better, you know, the better third baseman. Right. But yeah. even if, if the Mets don't make any moves to where they move Davis or Smith, I'm okay with them being on the roster as bench players. Yeah. Because you ultimately have probably the best depth in, in, in most of baseball. You know, you can you you're gonna be able to feel comfortable to call upon guys like J D. Davis, Dom Smith, or whoever else is on the bench to come to bat as a pinch hitter, or come mm-hmm. in late in games as a defensive replacement, or right. you know play a game for an injured player. You're gonna mm-hmm. feel comfortable with putting them in the lineup, whereas opposed mm-hmm. to you know Guillaume or you know 
this kid that they called up late last season where he did nothing but pinch run. What was his name? Oh, uh, from Double A. I can't yeah, remember. I yeah. and I felt so bad for this kid because he finally got the call. He's gotten his opportunity to be in Major League Baseball. He's on a Major oh. League roster. He's sitting in a dugout, and yet the only thing he did in in what the month or month and a half that he was up with the Mets is pinch run. And I was like, oh my god, this is terrible. Why is this kid being tortured like this? I did remember one at bat, and I was <laughs> oh, did he? shocked. Because it went to extra innings, oh, and uh, oh, gee, they had no why. choice but they had yeah. a, yeah. they had a, you know, hit him for a, for a pitcher, yeah, you know, being the last guy off the bench. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear you, man. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, not at all. Um, so, what do you think the Mets, or we should say Brody Van Wagenen, should do this season in order to improve this ball club? Do you think that there's are there any particular moves you would like him to make or signings that you like to make? Because yeah. quite frankly, there's I don't think he's got enough in a farm system to do any trades, right? Because we all remember there was some rumors about you know uh, Stalling Marte, the yeah. center fielder in Pittsburgh. I really don't believe he's a center fielder. I think he's more of a left fielder than anything else. Right. Yeah. But in order to make that deal. There was rumors that the Mets would have to deal a a roster player, and we're not talking about roster player in the sense of J.D. Davis or Dom Smith. Mm-hmm. We were talking about a roster player like a Michael Conforto or Brandon Nimmo, right? And that is the only thing that you know Brody Van Wagen at this point has of any value to trade. So the Mets are going to have to suck it up. If they're going to improve this ball club, I feel that they're going to have to go and, and spend the money and sign a free agent because at least you're spending money and you're mm-hmm. not losing players. I mean, our, our farm system is already depleted as, as it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the prospects, if you want to call them prospects, Jimenez, you know, he, they, they're saying that he's supposed to be up in 2020, possibly 2021. I don't see that happening because you have Rosario at shortstop. Right. He's blocking him. He's 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 a... You know, a prospect that you can move, that you can add to, you know, a, a, a trade to get someone here. But again, how much value does Jimenez really have? Right. What, what are some of your thoughts and what are some of the players you like the Mets to pursue? You know, the first guy that I would pursue, because um, I think he's cheap, is, you mentioned it before, is Blake Trotten. Um, I mean, we, we got to where we got last year, not necessarily because of our hitting. Could we have improved our hitting? Sure first half of the year but i mean it's well documented that the mets have actually had the worst ninth inning pitching performance in the history 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 (laughs) of baseball a history that goes back 100 plus years Mm -hmm. i mean so to me you have to start with the bullpen i mean you could talk all you want about you know needing a center fielder uh, a backup catcher which i still think we need a center fielder i think you know despite you know you know you know, signing like Mersnick, Thomas Nito, to me is just like another Kevin Pawecki. Mm-hmm. I mean, just hot garbage. Um, you know, that's not the answer. But same time, though, more than anything, we baseball in 2020, 2019, 2018, it's all about bullpens. Because yes, our star, our starters don't go as long as they used to. Even though we're a team that compared to others, um, our starting pitchers go deeper in games because of the quality that we've had in our rotation the last couple of years. We have to beef up our bullpen. Um, you know, some of these games that we did last year, they were just so devastating. I mean, the game in L.A., uh, a couple of games in Philadelphia. I mean, if, I mean. The game in Washington. The game in Washington up 
what eight runs, nine runs, like uh, whatever it was, six, six runs. Yeah, I, I mean, it it's like it's just you can't lose games like that, and yeah. that right there is a difference in making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. And um, you know, you can't let like the Grom outings go um, by the wasteboard where you know we're blowing games because of our bullpen. Um, granted, a lot of them are also because we're not scoring any runs for whatever reason when the Grom pitches. But we need to be able to secure the games that we should win. So uh, Trinan would be atop my list. Um, I think that Dylan Batankis is another obvious choice. Um, not sure what a contract would look like. Um, the Phillies certainly have been linked to him because of Joe Girardi. Um, that being said, um, you might be able to get him a little cheaper than perhaps uh, we could envision. Maybe not if we're getting to a bidding war. But you have to get protection also out there um, for Diaz and for Familia. Uh, Justin Wilson, yeah, I mean, he, he pitched well last year. And I like Justin Wilson, especially from the left side. But, I mean, he's a guy where, you know, he, he's, even though he can pitch well versus righties, he's a guy that I really want to have for the matchups versus lefty right. deep in the game, you know, for guys like Bryce Harper and, and whatnot and a Freddie Freeman. Um, and so we need to make sure that we have that protection late in games. Um, so I think those two guys are really where it starts. Um, I also wanted, and especially you know, with getting Marisnik, I think that we're probably going to be done in center field. You're going to see a Marisnik and, uh, you know, and Nimmo platoon in center field. Mm-hmm. But I really also wanted Kevin Pillar because um, I think defensively he's better than Marisnik. Uh, he has some postseason experience like Marisnik does. Um, and I just think it's someone that, we didn't have to, despite not giving up very much for Mersnick, don't think, you know, we haven't, you know, we didn't have to give anything for a Pilar. Um, and I think that Pilar is also a better hitter. Yeah. Um, so I think those are three guys like right away that really come to mind, um, you know, more, you know, like more than anything. I don't see the Mets really going out and getting any of these bigger free agents. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to, um, but also a part of me um, is really itching at the bit where, Look, center field is going to be a gap, not only this year, but also next year. Uh, you know, let that newfound money come in, and let's go out, and let's go get some Mookie bets, man. Because that's, yeah. I mean, that's going to be the new reality for the Mets. I just don't want Brody to screw up too badly this offseason, more than anything. I'd almost rather do nothing um, than do anything. Right. Because I don't trust Brody Van Wagenen. Um, and that's what a lot of fans have even told us as well. Um, through Mets fans United is look like no one seems to trust him. He hasn't done anything to prove that he should be trusted. And um, no, no one really likes the job that he's done. I mean, you can't really um, put your, you know, he doesn't really have that one move. If you want to count JD Davis, fine, but he doesn't really have that one move. That is like, that's the era of Brody Van Wagen yet. You know? Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all that uh, Brody Van Wagenen really has is 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 that J D Davis trade that he made last year. You know, J D Davis right. was a player that came from Houston, mm-hmm. who uh, I'm not sure if a lot of people know, but he he was uh, scouted as being a minor league hitter uh, mm-hmm. that a lot of people a lot of people in the league didn't see him as being a major league baseball hitter against major league baseball pitching, right. and obviously he came here. Um, you know, for many reasons, he played a lot because of the fact of the injuries with the, the outfield and so on and so forth. He yeah. got a chance to play and he got a chance to prove himself. I mean, he had a, a tremendous second half last year. I think he hit three thirty-five. I yeah, think he was third. That. I think he was third in the league. 
uh, in hitting at 335. It was just one one point behind uh, Anthony Rendon in the second half. He hit 336. He hit 20-plus home runs. Uh, I would have liked to see you know his his uh, runs batted in a bit higher than than I think it was 50 something. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that obviously, that's that just goes to show you that a lot of his home runs were solos. Yeah. And a lot of the doubles that he hit were you know with one guy on. Mm-hmm. But either which way, he he did what he needed to do to prove himself. Yeah. And I feel that I I want him to be part of this club, but mm-hmm. again, going back to is he a fit? A lot of people are saying, a lot of scouts are saying right now that he might not be a National League player. He might be more suited right. for the American League where he can go in DH. Right. You know, well, then that's a, if that's the case, then you might want to stick on, you know, hold on to him for, for another season or at least until the trade deadline. Let him be a pinch hitter and you know, occasional starter here and there. Let him get his, you know, 150, 200 bats hopefully by the All-Star break and maybe you could potentially get a little more value out of him at the all-star break, at, at, I'm sorry, at the trade deadline, um, than you would in the offseason. But again, there's a lot of nice pieces to this team. And like I agree with you. The, the Mets aren't going to do a lot. They are going to go and hopefully try and improve this, this bullpen because Familia last year was supposed to be the insurance for Diaz. Right. That was the way. That was the reason why he was brought in here because mm-hmm. if Diaz gets hurt, you have Familia, who's who's capable of closing games. Right. Both of them struggled right off the bat, and it was yep. it was painful to watch at times. I mean, every time they came into the game, yeah. it was painful to watch. Oh yeah. It, the the game against the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Nationals, and so many others. Excuse yep. me. That they they just blew, and it wasn't just them. I mean, you you got to look at the likes of Tyler Bashler. Uh, uh, do we have to? Ganyan. Uh, <laughs> dude, you do not All understand. I was constantly on Twitter and saying, please get rid of these freaking guys. Please yeah. stop calling Stop calling upon these guys. I know you have injuries, but you know what? These guys have come up, and they've got seven-point-something ERAs. How about you bring something else up? Maybe we would rather look at somebody else because Bachelor and Ganyan were two of the biggest culprits out of that, that, that bullpen. More, you know, if not more so than than Diaz and Familia, because they just couldn't handle major league hitting at all. It was just at all, and they're all terrible. They're all terrible. Oh. I mean, but I, and but I mean, not for anything though. But I I think that we're at with the Mets right now. And I'm sorry, I just really got to get this out because I really don't want to forget to make this point. Um, is I think where we're at right now is um, for those that have been around um, in the mid '80s. I think we're at the point right now where it's like 1984. Mm. Um, I think that we need to find uh, more than anything. We have a lot of nice pieces, right? That you just mentioned, but we don't have really. Yeah, we have Alonzo, but we don't have those centerpiece type of players. Alonzo is just kind of fitting to that mole. Um, Rosario is nice. McNeil is good, but like, I like, I just, I'm still kind of up in the air with McNeil. I know I might get some slack for that, um, but I just want, kind of want to see more out of McNeil. Um, I mean, yeah amazing year last year you know hitting over 320 over 25 more months i mean the dude is you know performed amazing um that's gonna be a tough year to you know to to do again as well as alonzo but we need to get those the carter and the hernandez type pieces um especially behind the dish um you know we have to get those centerpiece type of players and that's really what i think this team is missing we're a bunch of nice pieces and the nice pieces they fit into the sum nicely but we don't have that that piazza piece, 
that piece that really puts us over the top. Right. Um, Alonzo's great, but like, there's there's something missing from this team. Um, you know where, you know, home runs. Yeah, they're they're not what they used to be. Sure, getting to 50 is still a huge accomplishment, and not trying to you know not trying to at all diminish the year that Alonzo had because it was an awesome year. But you know the year that we get like the 330, you know 35, 40 home run hitter. You know that that really drives fear in someone's in the other bullpen's uh, you know game plan. That's what I think that like we need offensively. Um, and I mean not for anything too, but especially now with we are you know like leaving, it's now put up or shut up time mm-hmm. for a one Noah Syndergaard. If he wants to get paid, and he's going to be getting paid, he's going to be getting paid in arbitration. What you were saying before, somewhere in a range of twelve to thirteen million, mm-hmm. um, which for Syndergaard that's given. His year was subpar, and that might be kind of best. Um, that's a lot of money for Syndergaard, and Syndergaard has to really put up or shut up. If he wants to go out and make that Wheeler money, if he wants to be that guy who yaps a lot on Twitter, dude, it's time to do it on the field, man. Yep, I agree. You know, like, you know, like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree about Syndergaard, and uh, and I agree with you with you know not having that centerpiece player that you know that that most championship teams have i mean yeah. let's look at the the championship teams of the of the 90s of the yankees when they they had bernie williams and 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 Posada and yeah. pettit and all i mean all the, the, that was you know that was a team that had a lot of chemistry and yeah. that's the one thing that the mets have lacked for so many years is team chemistry yep and for some reason, regardless of who is the general manager and leading this ball club and building this ball club, they have never been capable of putting together a team that gels together. Right. It's, it's a team. It's always been a team where like, oh, let's let's wait and see. Let's wait and see. We're tired of waiting. I don't want to wait and see anymore. I want results on I the mean, field. I want yeah. a product on the field that I can be proud of. I want to be able to take my kids to the ball game. I don't go to the games because there's nothing there to go see, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you said before, you, you, you know. I used to be, I used to get the the the, the fourteen game package every year. Mm-hmm. I stopped doing that because, yeah, you know what? What am I throwing my money away for? Most of the time, I was giving those tickets away. Yeah, you know, and I was like, I don't want to go to the game. I don't want to go look at this. I'll watch yeah. it if I anything. I'll just watch it on TV. But yeah. that's that. But that's the thing with the New York Mets. But now, again, we have the nucleus. We have what is the beginning of something great yep and 2020 is right around the corner and yet we don't have that centerpiece that you just mentioned we and we're not we're not going to get it i was hoping that that centerpiece was going to be a healthy yonss but is but that's obviously not going to happen right i still think that the mets still need that one big bat in the lineup to to make this to protect Alonzo. Mm-hmm. McNeil had a tremendous year in the first half. He was hitting over three thirty. In the second half, he his his average dipped a bit because he was hitting for more power. Which player would I rather see? Do I want to see the three thirty McNeil? Do I want to see the three the three hundred McNeil with the twenty something home runs? I'm not right, really quite exactly. sure exactly which one I want to see. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see which player is going to show up for twenty twenty, because that was a trend that. You know that changed after the All Star break with McNeil, yeah. so that was kind of strange to me because I was like, "Well, this kid hit six home runs in the first half of the season. He's got twenty right. in the second half. What's going on here? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how did that yeah. happen?" 
you know, J.D. Davis, too. I mean, he had a pretty decent first half, and then the second half yeah. he exploded. He hit th- three, th- 370 in the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Like, where did that come from? Well, I can tell you a little bit about J.D. Davis. Is J.D. Davis happened because a lot of Met fans like myself, we were screaming in the first half to, for J.D. Davis to get more at-bats. Right. And, and, rightfully, I think with, and rightfully so. Right. And I think with anything um, that – I'm sorry I, had, I, sorry. I had another call coming. I wasn't sure if no, uh, no, no I put that on the camera. But, um, yeah, you know, like, you know, like with J.D. Davis, he was getting more regular at-bats. And, I mean, if you want to see, if you want guys to develop, you need guys like that to develop, which is what you were saying before, is I don't think that he should be getting 150 at-bats or 200 at-bats before the trade deadline. He has to play. He's going to be here, and he's going to be on our team. The guy has to play because we got to see what he's capable of doing. Because, you know what, maybe he is that centerpiece player. I mean, do we know that he's not? I mean, I'm not 100% positive that he's not. I mean, he had in limited at bats last year. He put up some he he put up some some pretty good power numbers. Yeah, yeah. He did it three, you know, like you know, three twenty six, you know, like you said, you know. And so I think that I want to see more JD Davis. I don't want to see him sitting on the bench at all. Uh, you know, the 150, 200 at bats. That guy has to play. So maybe he is already here, and we don't know it. Do I think it's JD Davis? Probably not. But I, I'm not sure about that. Um, and I don't think that we have much else to lose this year because, unfortunately, I think this year is more of a, um, unfortunately, and I hate to say it in in December now, but uh, kind of a wasteful year mm-hmm. uh, because I think that's going to be a completely different team when we br- go in and bring more guys in next offseason. Um, so I think that this year is all about seeing what we got. Unfortunately, that means another wasted year for Jacob DeGrom because he's not going to get any younger, and I think that's a major problem that we have. Right. Um, is you know we have an ace, and we have a short window with the Grom after especially this year, um, and that's and he's gonna be making a lot of money, um, and rightfully so, but we have to we have to get guys on his team that can be that centerpiece. Um, and I think another big point is what you were saying before. You know, what the difference between obviously the championship players is obviously Stark, but besides that, what all championship teams seem to have is they have that prototypical leadoff guy, that prototypical number two guy, that three guy, four guy. One guy in the team chemistry, it develops and it comes from is compliments. Is the leadoff guy comes up and compliments, you know, you know, they kind of get the table started. Kind of like that Lance Johnson of like the world from a name from the past. Right. And the number two hitter, you know, they play off the leadoff hitter and you know, there's chemistry that's built that way. And each part of the lineup, each guy is strategically put in the lineup somewhere in the order because they strategically complement one another. The Mets don't have that. They just kind of throw, you know, players around, whether or not it's in a two hole or four hole or five hole. I mean, you saw that even last year with Alonzo, like he gets second, he gets third, he gets fourth, like put him somewhere and leave him there. Yeah. Uh, exactly. you know, and even with Michael Conforto, it's the same thing, you know, like, you know, like with Conforto. And I mean, to me, I mean, Conforto seems to be kind of that guy on the Mets and, at least people I speak to with, and I'd be kind of interested to know what you would hear or what you feel. But a lot of Met fans I speak to, they're kind of divided on Michael Conforto. It's is he this this guy who is, is going to put thirty homers, knocking a hundred, hit maybe two seventy? I don't think he's going to be hitting two ninety like we originally thought he would when no. he first came up. Or is he that, that Kevin McReynolds kind of player who is quiet, not really a leader, he has a strong arm, but yeah, he's going to hit like you know two sixty. 22 and maybe 75, 80. Like, who is this Mike Conforto? Because it's get, getting kind of time where 
we don't really know who Michael Conforto is, given the injuries that he's had in the past with his shoulder. Like, what is your thoughts on Michael Conforto? Because, I mean, to me, I don't really know. I myself am up in the air with Michael Conforto as well. You know, I we all we all remember how Michael Conforto came up. He yeah. was going to be the superstar, future star, right fielder, whatever the case. Mm-hmm. He was going to be this three hundred hitter. Who was going to hit, th- you know, he was going to hit for power and drive in runs. We yeah. haven't seen that, but what right. we what we have seen out of Michael Conforto is a slight, you know, in increase or you know, his his numbers are he's producing. He's produced more and more every year. If you look at his numbers, his home runs have gone up, his RBIs have gone up, you know, his total bases have gone up. His average is not the three hundreds that we were expecting right. because that's what we were we were believed to 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 that he was going to be this three hundred hitter. We haven't mm-hmm. seen it. But I would absolutely rather have Michael Conforto at two sixty five, two seventy, hitting thirty two home runs and yeah. just about a hundred RBIs every year. I'd be happy with that. That's fine right. by me. That would be Michael yeah. Conforto for me. I don't see Michael Conforto as a 40 home run, 120 RBI guy. I just don't see it. Right. Uh, as far as leadership is concerned, I, I hear different things about Michael Conforto. There's people that say that he is a leader in in, in, in the clubhouse. You know that 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 he does express his feelings to his you know to his team when it, it needs to be done. Um, some people say he's you know very quiet and very to himself. I don't know who to believe, but. That's the Michael Conforto I've I've come to expect now because, you know, it's forget the player that they they made you think he was going to be. He's the player of what you see now. But the good thing the the good thing about Michael Conforto is the fact that his numbers have been going up slightly, yeah. slight. Not I'm I'm not saying that you know they've gone out of control where he went from ten home runs to thirty. I mean his his home run production has gone up. His RBI production has gone up. His average has stayed where it is. I don't know. It was two sixty, I think, last year, somewhere yeah, in that vicinity. Yeah, two fifty seven, and the year before that it was two forty three. Yeah, see, two forty three for me is a bit concerning. I like to see it right. more in in the two seventy, two seventy five average. Right. I don't like to see two fifty. But that this is what this is the way baseball is right now. It is. They want they they don't care about average anymore. Average is a number of the past. Now it's right. home runs, RBIs. Uh, war, uh, all these crazy numbers that they come up with these days. Yeah. It's not about batting average anymore. Batting average no. is a thing of the past. So that's why it's I'm... more about our base percentage, actually. Yeah, and yeah. Even this percent. base percentage, last year was three sixty three. Year before there was three fifty, and in twenty seventeen, which was his All Star year, three eighty four. Right. If we're gonna get that three eighty four on base percentage version of Michael Conforto, then I can live with that. I mean, that's when he actually hit. Right. 279 and to your right. point yeah. that's that's really like where i see him really being not the type of hitter that we've seen in the last two years and i mean he hit 27 homers not in 68 rbis you know and we've seen a, a increase a big increase from the 68 rbis where uh he had 82 rbis and 92 rbis the last two years right um and we've seen a slight uptick in his um in his homers from 27 and it's also year at 28 and now it's 33 yeah, yeah. And that was so, a career, yeah, you know that's a right. career year in home runs for him. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean that that's that's a Conforto you're gonna have. That that I mean I don't see Conforto being anything more than that. You know, right. do we wish that he would have been that superstar player that we had envisioned him being? You're not gonna get that. It's just not going to happen. But is is he a player that that belongs here? Absolutely. I think Michael Conforto is definitely you know right. a guy that needs to be here. He's a good player. He's a good right fielder. He can he can also play the other two positions in the outfield. 
and you know you can't go wrong with them. And well, let me tell you, he's also really streaky though too. Yeah, the guy, he really is really streaky. Yeah, he, he very, goes to times where he can't hit the ball in the ocean. Right. There's other times where you can't get the guy out. Right. So I mean, a little but bit. That's been the, the case with the Mets. The, yeah, that's been the case with the Mets up and down the lineup. I mean, yeah. l- l- Let's look at the Mets the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, losing seasons. When did you ever see the whole entire Mets lineup, except for the second half last year where they did very well? Yeah. When did you see the Mets ever hit as a team? There was always that one or two players in the lineup that was ca- that would that would carry the team offensively, and that's the reason why you have guys like Degrom who can go out and pitch nine innings of you know one run ball and still lose a game. Exactly. Yeah, because they're consistently inconsistent. I mean, the last time you've seen the Mets really hit as a team, they've all been on the same page. I wouldn't even say 2016. I'd really say in a, in the down the stretch in 2015. I mean, that's really when they did. I mean, when he had Murphy and and Duda, right? Um, you know, really carried the team with you know like you know, like with Cespedes. That's really when you know the last time that we really saw the team really hitting on on all strides. Yeah, but even so in twenty fifteen, even in twenty fifteen, after the, the the trade deadline when we, when we acquired Yoenis Cespedes, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you you could agree with me or not, but Yoenis Cespedes carried that offense all the way through to the to the to, oh, the, to the World Series. I mean, oh, yeah, the guy was. Unbelievable! Like Unreal. when they made the deal for Yoannis, but I was like, "Hmm." Scratch my head. I was like, "You know what? This might this might be a pretty good deal here. This might be the guy that we need." And sure enough, the guy just carried it. He just put the sack on his back and he said, "Let's go. We're heading to the World Series." And he carried us all the way over there. But again, there were times when the you know there were more. There was just more than Yoannis, but but Yoannis, but was the key player in that in that in that drive to the World Series. And I think that that was obviously was a great year to have, but I mean I think that that year actually kind of set us back though ultimately in the long run. Right. You know, just for the fact that like you know, I personally and again this is from a lot of people say I just happen to agree with it. Um, I think we just got really lucky that we all started hitting at the same time. Cespedes was unbelievable and knew that was that wasn't going to continue on, um, and I think that ultimately you know that prevented us from really you know. And this is really the Mets, and this is again brings you back to the Wilpons, really making that that extra move, really going for it in 2016. We, like we just that was our time that we could have just gone for it, had a big off season, but instead just settling. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been the perception of the fan base, um, and really I think what got Mets fans United starting and got us really kicked off was just tired of how this team is being ran. So, I mean, there's a lot of good times, I think, to come ahead um, without the Wilpons. Um, I mean, to hear the whole Kaz Matsui story, I'm not, not sure whether you've heard that or not. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it. But with Kaz Matsui, I mean, like demanding <laughs> that he play a, a, a game in spring training because it's on TV and they wanted the fans to be excited. I mean, yeah. that's moronic. Yeah. That's just stupid. But that was, and, that's Jeff Wilpon for you. Yeah, that's Jeff Wilpon, and and one and hence why we're getting sold is because one of the family members were like, "You got to be kidding me!" This is, I think, it was another brother Jeff had, or or uh, you Bruce, know, something like that. Yeah, like Bruce Wilpon. Yeah, yeah, and his brother, just, his younger brother. Right, and it's like you can't believe the stupidity and how right. the team's being ran. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, to your point, I mean, I'm just you know, I'm not overly optimistic in the least bit where this team's going this year. Um, I think that there's a lot of gaps. 
Um, I think that, you know, Conforto, like we said, you know, we know somewhat what to expect from him. But, I mean, we just got to, you know, just don't have Brody just blow things up too much. Don't go out. Be too creative. Don't try and, you know, don't bring guys on for long-term contracts. Um, you know, we are having contracts falling off the book next year. Not like it may matter, you know, with our new owner. But my point is, though, that, like, just don't screw things up. Leave our prospects alone so we can have them as trade chips. Don't trade Jimenez. I, you know, like, I don't trust Ben Wagonen. A lot of Mets fans don't trust him. Like, that's not even, you know, to me, I, I don't want to go for it this year because we're not going to be fully on board. And I got into a lot of debates um, before Ben Wagonen came in here. Uh, or when he first came in here, is what direction should we go? Um, personally, I'm tired of the prolonged losing. I mean, just like you are, just mm-hmm. like all fans are. I'm not about that. I don't care. I personally don't care if we if it takes not winning one game in the next five years at worst-case scenario. I'm cool with that if we get the Wilpons out. Because to me, I want to see a prolonged winner. I don't want to see the one year being good and then like eight crummy years right. and then like catch a lightning in a bottle again. Just don't want to see it. So to me, um, I would be patient this year um, and just understand that fans that we're going to be a team that's on the rise. Um, we have a new ownership. And I mean, that's something that the Knicks, that the Jets, the Giants, a lot of New York teams could, are very envious on right now because right. It's something that, like what you were saying, I want to take my kids to a game and, and be proud of it. I want to be able to have a ticket plan. I used to have a ticket plan, too. Other guys from Mets fans, United, even season tickets, um, all got rid of them because of the direction of the Mets. We want to be able to go out and give a spend money on the team as fans and see that being reciprocated back from ownership. Right. Um, so to me, I think that there's a lot of great times ahead for the Mets. There's probably not this year. Right. No, I totally agree. But, again, we might hit that lightning in a bottle this year. Um, I, I Pretty much the way I look at it is the, the team is pretty much set for next next season. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a lot of talks about Ramos, you know, being dealt. That's not going to happen. He's going to no. be stuck at, you know, at, at, behind the plate. Um, yeah. you, you, you lose Wheeler to the Phillies, I'm sure. The, hopefully the Mets will do something in order to acquire a Rick Porcello or a Dallas Keuchel or, you know, even if you really want to go and spend some money, how about the dude from the Dodgers, Ryu? Yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't know how much. I about spending money. I mean, that's, that's, that's about spending money, but I'm just saying, yeah. you yeah. know, you go, you're going to have to replace that. Whether or not you, you know, you go into the bullpen and do that with either Seth Lugo or Robert Gazelman, yeah. I think I think ultimately that would be a big mistake because mm-hmm. as much as Seth Lugo wants to be a starter, and I'm pretty sure Robert Gazelman yes. wants to be a starter as well, right? Their strengths right now for what the team needs is mm-hmm. them being in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Go and get a fifth star, fourth or fifth starter, and put him and you know apply him into the into the into the rotation for this one season, and then worry about it next year. Mm-hmm. You know, Rick Porcello is fine by me. I mean, that all depends on how much money he's going to cost. Again, we talked about right. the fact that there are about six or seven players that are arbitration eligible this year that probably will see some big increases, you know, pushing the team salary to the luxury tax threshold. That's yeah. going, that's going to be a problem. Now, whether or not the Mets, you know, and Brody Van Wagenen do anything about improving the bullpen, they brought, you know, you, I'm pretty sure you heard they brought they brought back Brad Brock, Brock. Yeah. Um, 
that's not going to do it for me. I mean, nah. he, he was okay. I mean, he was a, he was a player that was released last season. And he was picked up off mm-hmm. waivers. He gets a one year deal. Uh, no, actually, he got a well. He's got a one year deal, and then he's got a player. I, I'm surprised they gave him a player option and not a team option for twenty 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 one. He gets, I think, eight hundred fifty thousand this year, and he's getting, I think, one point five one point two five million for next for the following season. Mm-hmm. It's an okay signing. You know, whatever the case may be, hopefully he won't take that player option and decide he wants to become a free agent unless, of course, he has a good season. We don't know. But the biggest questions are going to be, you know, Edwin Diaz, you know, uh, Jerry is familiar in the bullpen. If you get Robert Gazelman, Seth Lugo, and the Justin Wilson that you got this past season and you add in a, a uh, an improved Diaz and familiar, there's – there's a good reason why the Mets could be very successful in 2020. But again, that's a big question mark. Are they going to turn their season? Are they going to turn it around for 2020? We don't know that yet. We're hoping that 20, 2019 was just, you know, a fluke and it was just a bad season for the both of them. And hopefully they come back and do something better. That's what the Mets are going to heavily rely on is that bullpen because right. you made the investment with Jacob DeGrom. He's making a ton of money and you know, they're not going to want him to, you know, they're not going to want to send them out there to do seven, eight, nine innings every time out because mm-hmm. you know how the Wilpons are. They want to protect their investment and they don't want them to get hurt. If they get hurt, then, you know, they lose on the investment. Not that insurance wouldn't pay for, for that investment at least 75 to 80%. Right. But the fact of the matter is, is I think all teams across baseball are protecting, you know, the big investments and not allowing these players to mm-hmm. perform up to their capabilities. Mm-hmm. I think Jacob Degrom can go out there and pitch nine innings every day if he kept his his uh, his pitch count down. I mean, yeah. that can go for any pitcher in baseball. It could be, you know, mm-hmm. the the fifth starter on, on you know on whatever team you you want to name. But mm-hmm. that's you know that's what we're looking at. But yeah. I think that Marisnik was a nice addition. I only see him as a fourth outfielder. Yep. Uh, how Marisnik is going to change the whole landscape of the outfield is, is, is you know, it's it remains to be seen. You know that Conforto and Nimmo are going to play every almost every day, or right. at least every day. What happens with J.D. Davis if Marisnik is in, in the center field every day? I don't see him as an outfielder every day. There's a good chance that he might platoon with somebody at center field. You mentioned before that he might platoon with uh, with Nimmo so yeah. that J.D. Davis can get some time out in left field. But then you also got to think right. about, well, if you don't move Dom Smith, what are you going to do with Dom Smith? He's going to have to get some playing time as well. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there are a lot of question marks. But I, I feel good about the team if the bullpen performs up to its capability in 2020. If the bullpen fails like they did in 2019, it's going to be another long season. That's just the way I look at it. That That's the magic question, but, I mean, is, is the bullpen. But another concerning thing is that we haven't even mentioned yet is I think the Mets starting rotation missed four or five starts last year. I mean, that's really amazing really, if you think really about good. it, especially – yeah, given are going, the past are they, track record for injuries, yeah. mm-hmm. are they going to hold up again in 2020? Right, yeah. and you're going to see these guys that you and I both don't want to see out there. <laughs> well, Chris Flexen is hurt. gone. Huh? Chris Flexen, I think, just signed a deal with the 
a Japanese team, I think, is right. something. So he's gone. Yeah, well, he's gone. But, I mean, maybe we see Maza pitch. I mean, what's your thoughts on seeing Maza go out there every fifth day if uh, no, no, Syndergaard gets hurt, man? No, thank you. Right, that's what I mean. You got to get so some depth. We need to have some depth in the rotation. Walter um, Lockett isn't going to get it done either. He's not going to get it done either, no. So that's that's where I'm concerned. So, I mean, so with all due respect, you're saying that you think we'll have a good year if our relievers hold up. Or about uh, our starting rotation. No, I totally our rotation understand. has to hold up, it's too. A good point. It's a good point. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we don't have that depth down in the monitors either. We don't have the depth anywhere. Um, and a part of that comes with, hey, look, like, to your point, leaving Gizelman and leaving Lugo in our bullpen and therefore maybe signing someone else in our bullpen and signing another guy in our rotation. So this way, if an injury pops up, getting extra guy or two in our bullpen, maybe we can move a Gizelman. Maybe we can move a Lugo into our rotation. Right. And personally, I would have Lugo as really our sixth starter, say. Because, I mean, as much as I like Lugo, and he had an amazing year. I mean, look at the year that Lugo had like last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like one for the Met record books. I mean, he was dominant last year. Um, I mean, it was only two or three appearances where he really didn't do well. But, I mean, he had a great season. But at the same time, though, not having him available um, sometimes and having to put Diaz in a game, it's just like the self-inflicted wound of just like bashing your head into the wall when you knew he wasn't going to get it done. Um, so to have Lugo not be able to come in, you know, in back-to-back games um, or pitch, you know, two out of three games to me, I mean, that's a tough thing to ask, mm. uh, you know, out of your bullpen to kind of get around. And it's also, it puts your manager, and I mean, look, I'm not one for Mickey Galloway. I mean, Mickey Mouse, I thought it was a horrible job, but I mean, he was also backed into a corner a few times with the unavailability of Seth Lugo. So that's why I would really kind of have him as maybe our sixth starter. And I'd really be going after more than anything, um, bullpen, 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 and more bullpen. Um, and I think also, you don't have to spend um, to the same degree, I think, on bullpen guys as you do on starting rotation guys. I'm not talking about the upper echelon relievers right, right. or the upper echelon starting pitchers. I'm talking about the back end rotation guys, you know, some, you know, like a sixth, seventh inning guy in a bullpen. Um, you could probably get a little cheaper than you can for like a four starter, say. Um, so I think that kind of fits into where we're at um, and where I believe we're at about uh, the projection is about $175 million payroll with about 13 to $18 million to work with, uh, you know, this offseason minus um, whatever Marisnik got um, or what he's going to make this year, which I don't think is much. Um, so I think that we need to be very judicious on where we're spending the money, specifically be able to do that in a bullpen more, more than anything. I completely agree. Um, definitely bullpen, bullpen, and more bullpen. The more depth you have, the the, the better the, the chance of using, you know, Gazelman or a Lugo in, in, in the uh, starting rotation in case yeah. of injury. I totally agree. It's a good point. Um, as far as, you know, the remainder of the team is concerned, I mean, we talked to you, you, you mentioned Mookie Betts earlier in the show, mm-hmm. and I tell you, that would be an amazing addition to this team. Uh, we know it's not going to happen this year. Maybe it'll happen, you know, when be- he becomes a free agent. Right. Um, and Cohen has, you know, finalized his deal to take the majority ownership of the Mets, and maybe, you know, something can be worked out where Mookie Betts would want to want to play here in New York and want to play with the, you know, the orange and blue. 
But, you know, that's still what – he still has another season left before he becomes yep. a free agent, right? Yeah, he does, So, yeah. I mean, the, 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 there's, there's still a lot of things up in the air right now as far as what Boston wants to do with Mookie Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not sure if they're going to trade him now. They're going to trade him at the trade deadline. Um, they just know that they can't afford to keep him because of the fact that, you know, they, they, they win a World Series and then they just – came down they came crashing down the season right. after that after winning 100 what 108 games the year before so i mean there's there's a lot of things that that's going to happen with boston this year but mookie betts would have been a nice addition again if you didn't trade a cano trade for cano and diaz last year and you had that jared kelenic correct you know maybe we're talking about a possible deal here with with boston for mookie mm-hmm. betts because I tell you, I've been following Jared Kelenic, and he's uh, he's amazing, dude. Uh, torture yourself. What's following that? You? I'm sorry. You're gonna torture yourself doing that. You're gonna torture yourself following yeah, you know, yeah, him because yeah. he's gonna yeah. be a player, and you know. Yeah. But that's what my fans do. You know, we yeah. like to torture ourselves. You know, it, it's it's amazing though. I, I mean, like I said yeah. before, I liked the deal when they first made it. I wish Jared Kelenic wouldn't yeah. have been part of that deal. I I was hoping that they'd keep hang on to him. I know he was just a single A player and he's still years away from contributing to the New York Mets, but at the time, right. you know, you you drafted him so high and, you know, teams are calling and asking for him and mm-hmm. up until that point you were saying no, 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 no and no. And then why why did you say yes for Jared Kel- for a, you know, Cano and Diaz? I don't know. But that's going, to, that's going to be a trade we're going to have to remember for many years to come, especially as long yeah. as Cano is still on this roster. But yeah. Um, yeah, just to uh, to finalize on things, there, there's still a lot of work for these Mets to do. Uh, Brody Van Wagner has a lot of work. I, I'm curious to see what he's going to do at the at the uh, GM meetings, the winter meetings in San Diego this week, starting tomorrow. Um, hopefully he doesn't do anything stupid. Uh, to the point where it hurts the ro- the current roster, and I'm and I'm talking about you know possibly trading roster players to get somebody else's junk in here, like right. you know uh, a Braun or you know I wouldn't mind having Hater, but don't trade, you know don't you, there's it's not necessary to bring back Braun if you if you want to trade for 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 Hater. It's just I I don't want to see that happen. But what about this? Go ahead. What about getting a hater and not taking on a brawn, but taking on instead the contract of Lorenzo Kane. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo Kane is a pretty nice player. Uh, I, I was hoping that the Mets would sign him last year. Was he a free agent last year? I think it was. I think yeah. he signed last year with Milwaukee. Correct. Uh, I, I thought that would have been a nice signing, but again, the Wilpons don't want to spend any money, and he right. went elsewhere. I don't. I don't even think the Mets ever even made an attempt to even speak to his represent representatives as far as what, what he was looking for. As you know, uh, as far as a contract was concerned, I don't even think they made an attempt. Same thing with Zach yeah. Wheeler. I mean, Zach Wheeler, he made his rounds. He got a deal from the Phillies. Uh, from what I understand, he got more. He was offered more money from Chicago, but because his wife is from New Jersey, he felt he wanted to be closer to the East Coast. So he and he wants to come back to us too. He did. He wanted to be on us. But yeah. That was going to be my next point. He came around. Yeah. His representative, his his agent, came around to the Mets and said, "You know, this is the, the offer we just got from Philly. You want to match it, or you want to, you know, do better?" And Wilton, Brody Van Wagen and said, "Ah, see you later." 
Right, exactly. Never made an offer. Nope. I don't want to hear stories that, oh, we we made offers to Wheeler during the season. You, They were way past that because you had uh-huh. – the, the Mets had their opportunities to sign Wheeler to an extension, and they just didn't get it done because of the fact that they wanted to wait and see, wanted to wait and see, and wanted to wait and see what Wheeler would do uh, in 2020, and now it cost him. Did Wheeler get a lot more money than he he should have? Maybe. $118 million over five years, but you know what? There was a team out there that was – you know, generous enough to make him that kind of offer. They wanted him that bad. The, obviously, the Mets didn't want him uh, bad enough, and now no. they're gonna have to. Now they're gonna have to fill that position in in the um, in the rotation with, you know, either internally or externally. We don't know what's going to happen, but that's the way it's going to be. I mean, everything is going to rely a lot on the bullpen and the starting rotation. We have to hold our breaths and hope that everybody stays healthy. Like you mentioned before, 2019 was an, an incredible year for the starting rotation where they only missed, what, five, did you say five games last year? Yeah, like four or that's, five games. That's sick. You never have that happen. How many how many years did we sit in front of our TVs and watch and, and our pitches were, you know, not even one pitcher in a rotation, but multiple pitchers in our rotation would be out with an injury and you had to dig into the minors and you know, how, you know, the rest of the story with that, you know how that went. It right. doesn't, it doesn't usually go well, but mm-hmm. 2020, I was hoping was going to be a good year, but then when, then he started talking about the arbitration figures with all the players, I think there's like six or seven players that are arbitration eligible. And then you started hearing about the increases they were going to get. And then you start hearing the fact that, you know, you're, they're going to be pushing towards the luxury threshold. Right. As soon as you start hearing, as soon as I start hearing that, I'm like, okay, well, the season's over. Well, we're not going to get anybody. Exactly. Because that's that's who the Wilpons are. That's that's how they that's how they roll, and they're not going to put money into this into this team. And now we're hoping within the next you know couple of years that Steve Cohen will gradually start increasing the payroll for the New York Mets, whether or not they go over the luxury. A tax threshold is is going you know is going to be a good thing. It's, well, I guess we'll eventually find out, but I'm um, I'm seeing a bright future for the Mets. When exactly this deal is going to get done with Cohen, we're not exactly sure. It, it might be already done, but they haven't announced it yet. I know there's an announcement made that he's going to take eighty percent of the team, and when that's going to be finalized, I don't know. I don't like the fact that the Wolpons are going to be sticking around for five years. I'm not crazy about that idea, but as you mentioned before. It's his money, his signature is going on the checks. He'll make the final decisions. So I, I, I feel better about hearing that um, as opposed to allowing the Wolpons to just straight up run this club like they want to because I, I just don't want it to happen that way. What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts are that um, <clears throat> the Wolpons are not going to have – it might take a couple of months. It might take to the end of the year of – the baseball season of 2020. But my final thoughts are that the conversations that we're having now are going to be drastically, drastically different come this time next year. It's going to be about Mookie Betts. It's going to be about George Springer. It's going to be about, it's going to be about Trevor Bauer. It's going to be about who are we going to get. And you're going to see a hell of a lot more excitement on Mets Twitter 
you're going to see a hell out of more excitement out of guys like Andy Martino on SNY. You're going to see a hell out of more excitement about Met fans wearing their Mets hats around New York and representing the Mets like the way they should be represented. Wolpons are going to be in name only. They'll be technically the owners, but they're not going to really be the owners. Um, I don't care that the Wolpons are going to be around for five years. It's not going to matter. This deal, let me just tell you, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be, but this deal better go through. That's all that I can say. Because it's great to know a little more of the insights of the Mets, the stories about the Kazmet Sui that, you know, that league we mentioned like before. Um, some of the other things that have come out this past week um, inside of the Mets um, have been very telling um, as far as the disagreements amongst the families and just the inclination that they want to sell the team have been such a um, refreshing scent of just re- just something very refreshing that I think is bigger and better than anyone that we can sign this year. The best move that we are going to make this year is going to be no more Wilpons. And that's my final thought. Awesome. Mark, I want to thank you for coming on the show with me today. I know we went a little over the, an hour like I had promised. Uh, I had said about an hour. We're going close to an hour and a half now. But I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your thoughts and your opinions about the New York Mets, the Will Ponds, the front office, the player personnel, and so on and so forth. This was a lot of fun. I hope we can do this again. Uh, yeah. Maybe next time um, yeah. uh, your buddy can come on with us. That would be great. Yeah. So um, until the next time, man, I'll catch up with you on Twitter. Uh, and hopefully this deal with the uh, with Steve Cohen gets done real quick so that we can start uh, talking about how much money we're going to spend next year instead of uh, not signing any players at all. It's you been have an a good night, pleasure. man. You too. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks all so much right, for your time. Thank you. Have Thanks. a good Take one. Care. Take care, Mark. Bye. Bye.